Well, we have the privilege and the honor to have our apostle of the church, Apostle Dale, here tonight to give us a word, and I've always said it, a word that will change our life forever. And I believe that. So get your expectancy up, open your heart, allow the Holy Spirit to speak maybe something new truth, new truth to you tonight that will make a change in your life. Aren't we going from faith to faith, from glory to glory, upward and outward, right? Amen. Pastor, come come on up. I was, see, he's been my pastor for 20 years for a long time. So. Amen. Amen. Praise the Amen. Lord. Thank Isn't you, Jesus Lord. wonderful? Let's open our Bible to Galatians chapter 3. Yeah, for a long time, she used to come out on, I think it was Wednesday nights, to this rickety old Salvation Army building in Titusville, Pennsylvania. We were renting and sit on the front row with two or three other ladies. I don't know who invited who. They all kind of invited each other. And boy, their, their lives were never the same. Amen. And tonight might be your night. You never know what God's going to do in certain ways. You know what he's going to do. You'd never know when sometimes. And he can always surprise you. I like the suddenlies of God. Suddenly. And the Lord just shows up. Amen. Suddenly. I was sitting in church one day, one time, filling in the O's of the bulletin in a little Methodist church. And suddenly the pastor blasphemed the Holy Ghost and fell over dead. That'll wake you up. The suddenlies of God and experiences that we have in our life are important, but there's something even more than experiences that are, that is important. Peter talked about it in, in his epistle. He said, you know, boys, he said, I was there. I went up the mountain. James and John were with me. We saw Jesus glorified. His face shone like the sun. His his clothes became white like you've never seen. And then Moses and Elijah showed up. And they talked and had a conversation. That's pretty powerful. Pretty hard to top that one. But then Peter said, but we have a more sure word. That's right here. We have a more sure word. That's to what length and height we should estimate and value the Word of God. Amen? So turn with me in the Word to Galatians chapter 3. We had some instruction of the Lord a few weeks ago, which was unusual for me, uh, for the Lord ahead of time to, to direct. But He told me to preach on the person of the Holy Spirit. And uh, it was two weeks ago today. And uh, just a few hours later, I, I, I got a little message on my phone that Pastor Sidney had posted on Facebook that he was starting a series on the, on the Holy Spirit. And I just laughed. And then later in the car, I think it was, I told my wife, look what the Lord's doing. And uh, so I've been percolating on this message for a few weeks now. And today I gave myself fully to it. And I'm excited in my heart as to what the Lord wants to impart to us. Sometimes when you sit under a teaching, you learn. But other times there's something solid that comes on the inside of you that you carry at home with you. And I'm believing that for you today. 
We need to understand the role of the person of the Holy Spirit in our lives and in the church. So let's start with this understanding of the difference between experiences and faith. Here in Galatians 3, let's look at verse 2. This only would I learn of you, this is Paul speaking, received ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. Now, let's define these two phrases. The works of the law, I think, I think we're quick to understand, is, is an ethical statement. It's talking about your holiness. It's talking about your performance mindset in religious things. Doing the right thing. Keeping the commandments. Attending church. Oh Lord, reading your Bible every day. Hello. The works of the law are always contrasted with the grace of God and how we're not saved by the works of the law, but we're saved by faith through grace or by grace through faith. Right? So, so what that simply means is a lifetime of doing good isn't enough to acquire salvation. Right? Because why? Because it's by grace and we acquire it through faith. And Paul then talks about this here, the hearing of faith. Well, what is the hearing of faith? Glad you asked me. In Romans 10, in fact, let's turn over there real quick. I don't want to make too, too many assumptions. I think sometimes it's good to begin at the beginning. In Romans 10, let's look here. Let's start with verse 8. But what saith it, the word is nigh thee, even in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. And I am a word of faith preacher. That if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and shall believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Well, faith then prompts us, faith in the heart, believing that God raised Jesus from the dead, it prompts us to say something. Jesus is Lord. Amen? And that's the entryway. That's the gateway drug into salvation. Amen. Amen. But then where does that faith come from? Well, I'm glad you asked that. We don't have time, but we, we, you know, at some point you ought to read all the way down. But let's look at verse 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, flip back over to Galatians chapter 3. So what is it Paul's talking about when he says, Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? And I want to I emphasize this. Because what we need to walk in the Spirit isn't holiness, it's faith. And that when by faith we walk in the Spirit we'll begin to walk in holiness. It's important to see that distinction. Well, let's read on. Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? 
What do I have to do to receive the Holy Spirit? What do I have to do to receive more power from God? What do I have to do to walk in the Spirit? Well, hold on. Have you suffered so many things in vain, if it be yet in vain? He, therefore, that ministers to you the Spirit and works miracles among you, doeth he it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? You know, you would think that when you have certain spiritual experiences, that it would, it would release in you a new level of power or spirituality, either ethical or miraculous. But experiences never do that. Any more than someone else's experience of salvation won't save you. The problem with experiences is that they don't produce faith. Now, they may stimulate or excite you to get faith, but experiences don't build faith. There's only one thing that builds faith, and that's the Word of God. And many times when people fail to receive an experience thereafter, they keep looking for the experience just like they used to keep following good works and hoping that one day they'll be saved. But like a carrot on a stick, you know, that donkey just keeps going after the carrot but never gets to it because you can't earn your salvation by good works. Neither can you enter into an experience with the Holy Spirit by seeking the experience. You enter into a deeper walk with the Spirit of God by deepening your faith in what the Word of God reveals about the Spirit. Amen. I'll give you a very simple example. I remember with a dear, dear friend of mine, and for 30-some years, uh, the secretary of Church of the Word International, Matthew Allender. Uh, Matthew's an amazing man of God and a, and a dear friend of mine. And I remember the day he came forward, again, it was in that little Salvation Army building, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I laid hands on him and asked in the name of Jesus, for the Spirit of God to come on him. And there were others in the altar to be filled. And, and there were some that spoke out in tongues, but Matthew never said a word in, in other tongues. And so I encouraged him. I said, you're filled with the Holy Ghost. The Bible says if you ask, you'll receive. And how much more? Because we ask the Father for the Holy Spirit, will he give us the Holy Spirit? I said, you're filled with the Holy Ghost. Don't worry about it. Because I could see he was struggling with the fact that others were speaking in tongues. They had an experience. But he didn't have an experience yet. Amen. So I said, just meditate on these scriptures. And I gave him a little book. I think he'd already had some books. He'd been reading. But his testimony now kicks in. Because what happened is he went home. He got his Bible out, he got, he got the little booklet, and he began to look at what the Bible said about speaking in tongues. And what happens when you study the Word of God? What happens when you hear the Word of God? The hearing of faith. Hello? See, he didn't go home and, and throw out his rock music. He didn't go home and, and, and cut off an improper relationship. I'm not implying that he, I don't think he ever listened to rock music, and I know he didn't have an improper relationship. But what I'm trying to Im Im impress upon you is he didn't go home and fulfill the works of the law. All right? What did he do? He got into the Word of God. 
And he, and he went, laid down on his bed with these scriptures in his heart and in his mind and he meditated on them until he got right to that point. You know that tipping point where you're almost asleep but you're not? And he got right into that point meditating on the scriptures and he burst out in tongues and the bed started shaking. And the power of God filled the room and he had himself an experience. But the experience comes after the faith. That's what I want to impress on you. Because we've got, as a couple, some of you were here a couple weeks ago, uh, we've got this cycle of unbelief that comes into the body of Christ. It comes in false doctrine. It comes in unbelief. And there's this cycle coming into the body of Christ of seeking after experiences. But if you seek after the Word, you'll have more experiences than you know what to do with. But if you speak, seek after experiences... You'll get off eventually. Maybe not in the beginning, but you'll get off eventually. Why? Because your motivation's wrong. You're looking for the experience and not rooting and grounding yourself in the Word of God. But now some people, they say, well, you know, if some people are in the Word, they're just dry. Well, you don't have to stay dry. Amen? Because you get into the Word of God on the Holy Ghost, you'll start to burn. There'll be a fire. You, you, you'll put a spark in there and all that dry kindling makes the best fire. So dry Christians burn fast. It's them damp, soggy ones that I worry about. So what was it Paul said? He said, you're not going to receive the Spirit. You're not going to work miracles. You're not going to impart the Spirit except you do it by the hearing of faith. Turn with me over to Galatians 5, verse 16. It's a classical verse the Lord showed me years ago when He showed me that I was suffering from spiritual dyslexia. You know what lysdexia is. You know what dyslexia is. <laughs> dyslexia is, 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 a, is a problem that, for, that some people suffer from. We've had several healed of it. And, and testify. But they see the letters scrambled or backwards. So instead of T-H-E, it's T-E-H or what have you. It, it, it's, it's, it, it's a horribly frustrating problem until it's diagnosed because the child doesn't even know why he can't read. And all these things get involved with it. But the Lord said, I had spiritual dyslexia. And I thought, well, I, that doesn't sound good. I won't be healed of it. What do you mean? And he took me to this verse. He took me to several others, but that's a different sermon. He took me to this verse and, and asked me without me looking to it, what's it say? See? And, and my interpretation of this verse was exactly opposite of what it says. Because I used to preach and believe that if you sell out to God, consecrate to God, become holy enough, fast maybe, pray all night you'll get into the Spirit. See, what I believed was that if I did the works of the law, listened to enough sermons, read enough chapters, went to church often enough, and I did, eventually I'll come to this place where I'll step off into a higher level and I'll walk in the Spirit. But that's not what it says. What does it say? Galatians 5.16 this I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you'll not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. 
You don't cut off the lust of the flesh and then walk in the Spirit. But that's what I believed. Even, you know, I, God had to corner me to admit it. Because I know how to answer the right questions and get away with things. You know what I'm talking about? Every, you've watched five-year-old boys do it. You know, you know the language. You know the slogans. You know the churchese. But the reality is, I had to confront, be confronted by God that I actually believed if I keep the works of the law, I'll walk in the, in the power of God. If I keep the works of the law, I'll walk in the Spirit. If I keep the works of the law, I'll, I'll do more for God. But that's, that's not how it works. See, and the devil's got me like a mouse in one of those little treadmills going round and round and getting nowhere. Amen. See, if I, if I just cut this habit out in my life, I'll be a prayer warrior. The reason I'm not a prayer warrior is I, I got this habit in my life. No, if you walk in the Spirit, you'll for the first time be able to stare that habit in the face and say, got you. Devil got you and you belong under my feet. See, because I'm not saved by holiness. I'm saved by grace through faith. Or saved through faith by grace. For by grace are you saved through faith. Got it. <laughs> it is an important thing. And as you step into that, then you step into experiences. But faith is always the doorway. So you begin by walking in the Spirit. How are you going to walk in the Spirit? Through the hearing of faith. So for you to have a better walk with the Holy Spirit as a person, we need more Word on the Holy Spirit. So having said all that as an introduction, let's begin. Amen? Let's turn over to John 14. The first thing I want to talk about is this issue that we will always face and we need to look clearly to the scriptures and without the scriptures if you're looking only at experience you're going to come away with a concept that's flawed and at some point i think we all face it whether we can verbalize it or not and that is this is the holy spirit a person or a power is the Holy Spirit an influence or a, a personality who influences? And it's an important one to settle. Because if the Holy Spirit is a person and we go about life treating Him as power, then you'll never know Him as an individual. And you'll never honor Him and worship and reverence as He deserves as he deserves. So right from the beginning, what I want to be very bold about, as I've learned myself, is that the person of the Holy Spirit is the key to the power of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is not a power, he's a powerful person. Amen. Now don't don't get me wrong and and uh, because I'm not dispensing with what we all know and believe, but we want to keep the priorities right. 
I talk a lot about the anointing. There is a power. It's called anointing. It can saturate your bones so that when you're dead and they throw a dead man on the bones, the man sprung up to life. That's not a person saturated on those bones. There is a power. But that power comes from a person. You can't talk to power. Now, the minute I talk to my flower in the shelf in the kitchen and it starts talking back, I realize now there's a personality involved. Amen. But when we consider only the Holy Spirit as a power, we're doing disrespect. Simply put, if we treat the Spirit as a power and not a person, we immediately grieve Him through our disrespect. We immediately grieve Him. But when we honor Him for who He is, we tap into a relationship that can release limitless impossibilities and fullness of power. Amen? I like this quote. I'm, I got a lot here. It's about six pages. Shouldn't take but a few weeks to get through. But if we think of the Holy Spirit, as so many do, as merely a power or influence, our constant thought will be, how can I get more of the Holy Spirit? But if we think of Him in the biblical way as a divine person, our thought will rather be, how can the Holy Spirit get more of me? I like that. I was meditating on that today. I want, I want, the Holy, I want more power, but I want the Holy Spirit to have more of me. Amen? Because in the end, who's got the power? He does. He's got all the power we need. Now, when Jesus taught about the Spirit, and that's one thing I always like about the Bible, the Bible makes tremendous assumptions. I mean, isn't it, isn't it cool you open it up to the beginning, Genesis 1-1, and it says, in the beginning, God. Boom. Doesn't define Him. Doesn't say, hey, did you know there's a God? It just starts out halfway through the movie. <laughs> All right? All these assumptions are right there. Jesus was the same way with the Spirit. He says, look, fellas, uh, I'm going to go away. But if I don't go away, it's gonna, you're going to be worse off. But if I do go away, I'm going to ask the Father. And He's going to send another comforter. Another comforter. And he's going to be with you. In other words, I've called in a replacement. And he said this. Uh, he said, this replacement is better for you than if I stay. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I've been meditating on that since I was a young man. And, I, and it's still amazing to fathom that me walking with the Holy Ghost tonight is better than Peter walking with Jesus Amazing. down the street with the woman with the issue of blood into the room with the, 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 the ruler of the synagogue, his little boy, seeing that boy being raised from the dead, seeing that woman being healed after all those struggles she went through. What I got tonight's better. Amen. But see, here's, here's my point. You'll never get that by experience. You'll get it through the hearing of faith. This is where you've got to put your foot on the Word of God and stand on it as much as you would stand on by His stripes I'm healed when Satan's trying to drive sickness and disease through your house. 
You believe what the Word of God says about the Spirit, and you'll enter into an experience with Him. So let's read. He says, verse 16, And I will pray the Father, and He will give you another comforter, that He may abide with you forever. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody said, well, can you, can you lose your salvation? I don't think you can get away from God personally. You're not big enough. Once you've been caught, you're caught. That's for time for another message. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it sees him not, neither knows him, but you know him because he dwells with you and he shall be in you. Now, in order for Jesus to get inside us and indwell us, which is what he did, he needed to be glorified and ascend to the Father. And as Acts says, shed forth the Holy Ghost. You know what shedding is? You ever seen a snake shed his skin? There's a transformation. It's, a, it's, a, it's literally a crude word, but there was a transformation in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ that through the power of this, this transformation, he, the Holy Spirit took on a whole new relationship with you and I that, that realized the indwelling of Jesus. In John's Gospel, he cried out one time during a feast, at the end of the feast day, he cried out and said, if there's anybody that's thirsty, come and drink. He said, out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. But then John made this statement. He said, but this was, he was talking about the Spirit who was not yet. Literally did not exist yet. But yet we know the Spirit existed. What didn't exist was this relationship Jesus is talking about right here. He said, I'm going to pray the Father, and He will give you another comforter. Another comforter. Now underline the word another. Because they already had a comforter. Jesus Himself. This word comforter is the Greek word parakletos. And it's, it's, it's very common in Greek literature, but actually wasn't used that much in the Bible. And it could be translated advocate. And an advocate, on one hand, is a lawyer or someone who speaks in your behalf. Literally in the Greek, if you break it down, it simply means one called alongside to help. Amen. So Jesus said, I'm going to pray the Father. So here's Jesus praying to the Father. And He's going to give, the Father's going to give, another comforter. Now this word another is important in the Greek because the Greek had two words for this word other or another. Heteros or allos. And allos, or heteros rather, means another of a different kind. So if you, if you had a red shirt and you're at the store and you say, no, no, give me another one, and they gave you a green one, that'd be heteros. Because it's another kind. Alright? But allos means another of the same kind. I'm going to pray the Father, and He's going to give you another of the same kind, paraclete. Wow. 
One called alongside to help. Now you know Him because He's been with you. But He's going to be in you. Glory to I got Jesus on the inside. The power of salvation. Glory to God. You can take some three-year-old that's prayed the sinner's prayer and say, Honey, does Jesus live in you? And her eyes is going to get big and she's going to say, Yeah. And you know why? Because He does. Amen? Amen? Jump over with me quick to 1 John chapter 4. See, Jesus... There's a whole lot of talk about false doctrine or what is required. and Do you believe in this or do you believe in that? You know, before you're saved, you don't believe much of anything. I know some people, it's like if you, if you, if you can't sign your name off to a six-inch thick book, then you're probably not saved because you don't believe everything accurately. Friends, that's the works of the law. Because if you challenge half of them and half of those that wrote it, they don't believe it either. I actually had a guy wrote a book, came to my church and preached opposite of what was in his book. I took him to lunch and his wife was there and I nailed his hide to the wall. And his wife sat there giggling said, I'm so glad you did that. I, I don't know what's wrong with him. He needs to read his own book. <laughs> well, it was way out there. But, but you don't need all that stuff to be born again. There's very few things that you need to be born again. And when you follow them, you get the experience. And God will straighten you out as you move forward. Amen? But one of the things you need to understand is that when you're saved, God comes and indwells you. The person of the Holy Spirit. Look here in 1 John 4, verse 2. Well, let's start at verse 1. It's all good. And we've got till at least midnight. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God. That means test them. You need to, you need to test things, friends. Test what you hear on the radio. Test what you read. Test what you hear from this pulpit. If it doesn't line up with the Word of God, reject it. Amen. I learned that so strong from Kenneth Hagin. Thank God for him being strong on that. It's not true because I say it. It's true because the Bible says it. Amen. And if you can find a church somewhere else that's preaching the Word of God more faithfully and better than what I am, then by all means get there. Because it's the Word that's important. But if on the other hand, you, you got so starved in your church that you slipped through the gate because you got so skinny and you slipped through this gate and then we fattened you up, you ain't going to leave. Because it's the Word that's important. Amen? So test them. And it's not necessary to test the ones you already know are wrong. You've got to test the trusted and proven friend and hold them accountable for it. Amen? Like that woman should have, should have gotten her own husband's face. Maybe she did. Maybe she, she got to praying and God sent me. <laughs> but, uh, oh, he was a blessing to our church and I love him. I think he's in heaven now. But First uh, John 4 says, test these spirits. Why? Because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. You want to know the Spirit of God? He just said, this is how you know the Spirit of God. Do you want to know Him better? 
How, how do you receive? By the hearing of faith. By the hearing of faith. Here's the verse you want to you quote. Here's the verse you want to meditate on while you go to sleep at night. Here's the verse you want to saturate yourself with. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. Jesus has come in the flesh. Now hold on there. Every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. This is the spirit of Antichrist. Where have you heard that it should come? And even now already is it in the world. I got really perplexed over this when I was evangelizing some Mormon boys. Mormon missionaries. They need the gospel too. You see that little badge. I mean... It, they're here to witness. I mean, it's like, come on, let's bring it on, buddy. Let's, let, we're going to tango. Amen. And uh, it's a long story, but, but I was sitting with them and uh, had, had realized you can't hit them over the head with the Bible and win them. You need relational, you know, you need, people need to respect you. People need to know that you care before they care what you know. Really says it all, doesn't it? And so... Uh, I loved on them, and uh, they weren't that much uh, younger than me. We were about the same age, and I played racquetball with them, took them to lunch and bought it. You know what I'm talking about? And, and they were in a strange city and befriended them, shared Jesus with them. Finally got down to this point where I asked them, I said, did Jesus come in the flesh? And they said, sure he did. And I thought, well, that's interesting. See, I didn't know what Mormons believed. I learned a lot as I went. We won't get into that. I mean, they're holy. They don't even drink Coca-Cola. Dear Lord, can I have some more coffee and Coke? I always made sure I was drinking coffee or Coke whenever I met with them. And, uh, but I asked them, I said, did Jesus come in the flesh? And they said, of course he did. And I sat there completely baffled. Well, then they're of God. That's what it says. Until the one person I'm talking about, the Holy Spirit, rose up on the inside of me. See, one thing I've learned is I'm not that smart. And that's all right, because He is. And the Spirit of God rose up on the inside of me. And I saw it. So I asked Him, Is Jesus Christ come in your flesh? See, I always read this to mean that Jesus came and was born in a manger and walked by the shores of Galilee, that Jesus was in the flesh in a, in, during a period of space and time. But when I asked him, did Jesus come and dwell in your flesh? You know what they said? Oh, no, 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 he's in heaven. And I said, and that's all the difference in the world. That's why when the trumpet blows, I'm going up and you're not. Because Jesus is in my flesh. This is the Spirit of God. Jesus is in my flesh. This is how you know the Spirit of God. Jesus is in my flesh. This is why I can lay hands on the sick and they recover. Jesus is in my flesh. Jesus, one time I'd preached my guts out. I was so tired I couldn't see straight. And it was the last sermon. I was in Armenia and they packed this theater full of people and there was no seats left. They were sitting on the platform. There was like 900 people in a 600 seat theater. And I was thinking my last sermon and then I can go sleep. And the Spirit of God came on me at the end and said, I want you to, He's on me right now. Oh, 
He said, I want you to lay hands on everyone in this building. And I didn't, number one, think I could physically do it. Until you've laid hands on a lot of people, you have no idea how much it takes out of you. And I started laying hands on people, and they literally, I body surfed through the crowd. That was the only way to get to them. Just, there was no aisles. And I laid hands on everybody in that building. And when I got home, or not home, it was in an apartment, and I was laying before the Lord, I wanted to know why did you want me to pray for everybody like that? And the Spirit of God, the person. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Why? He's in your flesh. He's in me. Just acknowledge Him. He's in me. The Spirit of God rose up inside me and took me to the book of Acts. And it said how God wrought special miracles through the hands of Paul. And the Lord spoke to me and said, Son, sometimes when you lay hands on people, It's the only chance I get to touch them. God's in my flesh. Jesus is in my flesh. Oh, but Pastor Dale, I think that means Jesus came into the manger and Jesus walked. Well, read the next verse, dummy. Verse 4. Read the context. You are of God, little children, and have overcome the spirit of Antichrist. Because why? Because why? Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Greater is he. Now, when you're sick at night, I know you heard... 30-umpteen messages on healing, so I know you know I can relate to that. When sicknesses come, you confess God's Word. By His stripes I'm healed. Why? Because the hearing of faith will bring you to an experience. That's why you confess, greater is He that is in me than He that is in the world. And And you know what? He'll answer back. Yes, that's right. Amen. Amen. The greater one lives in you. Are you born again? The greater one lives in you. I mean, people say, well, you know, this the baptism of the Holy Spirit in power. Yes. Believe in that. Thank God for the power of God. But I'll tell you what, just getting saved blows the doors off everything. Greater is He that's in me than he that's in the world. Some, some of you need to spend the night pacing the floor quoting that one just like you used to quote the healing Scripture. I'm filled with power by the Spirit of the Lord. Faith, the hearing of faith, will bring you into this dimension that Jesus talked about. Go back with me to John. Hallelujah. I'm having a good time whether you are or not. I need a napkin. I learned to turn the microphone off.
Uh, hallelujah. I always laugh. I go into these restaurants and they say, workers, please wash your hands. I'm thinking, what are the rest of us supposed to do? Uh, I always figure in the, in the church restroom we should have, you know, ministers, please wash your hands before laying them on the sick. That's right. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Amen. He said, I'll pray the Father, John 14, 16, and he'll give you another comforter, another paraclete. He's in us to teach us, to lead us, to guide us when we don't know what to do. He's in us. He's our guide. Even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it sees Him not. We see Him. say, well, how do you see the Holy Ghost? I don't know. We see Him. It says we see Him. Build your faith. So somebody said, well, I want to have an experience. Well, I don't know. I had an experience. I, I had my pastor... Methodist pastor blasphemed the Holy Ghost. Last thing he said from the pulpit was the Lord willing. I'll preach more on this next week. I was 16 years old. See, now I'd, I'd, I'd already made a commitment to the Lord, but I didn't really know what it meant. I mean, what I knew about God, you could put in a thimble and shake it and it would rattle. I didn't know much about God. But I'd been challenged and, 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 and I'd been at the, point, I was at the point of suicide. I cried out to God. He answered I gave my heart to Jesus, but I didn't know what it meant. I didn't know where he was going to take me. If he'd have told me, I probably would have ran the other way. Right? And then I had a guy in the church come because the Lord spoke to him to disciple me. He tried to talk God out of it because I was worthless investment of his time. But, but he heard from the Lord. And I started meeting with him. He got me starting to memorize scriptures. So I was a little bit ways down the road. Just starting. But I didn't know much. I was... Obviously wasn't that spiritual because I was literally filling in the zeros in my bulletin. And he blasphemed the Holy Ghost. He said, the Lord willing, I'll preach more on this next week. He walked down the aisle and he fell over dead right where I was sitting. Well, that's an experience. And I'll be honest, the fear of God came on me and I got filled with the Holy Ghost the next week. And 30 days from then, I preached in his pulpit within a month. And you think, how's a 16-year-old do that? He doesn't. But I had a paraclete. I, I had a paraclete come in. And everything changed. You know, you know what the advantage was of being 16 years old in the pulpit? I knew I didn't know anything. You know what the problem is with some people? They think they know something. And, and then, they, then they get lofty in their, in their education. You know, it's, it's just fine to realize you don't know it all. Amen? I hope somebody comes and asks you a spiritual question. You're not afraid of saying, I don't know, but hey, let's crack the Bible open and find out together. Amen? I mean, I, I just cried out to God. I didn't ask to be in the pulpit. I went with my mom. She, you know, I had this drug problem. She drugged me everywhere. I didn't know she was filled with the Holy Ghost. Then I got filled with the Holy Ghost. Man, she was dragging me. We went to see this woman in Pittsburgh at the, at the Soldiers and Sailors Halls, all I remember. And this woman was a Catherine Kuhlman lookalike. 
right down to the robe, white robe, and she would come out on the stage, and God showed up. And there was probably, I don't know, probably a thousand people in that room. She called me out. I'd just gotten filled with the Holy Ghost like a week before that at the Jesus Festival. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so, well, this Jesus Festival started from Lancaster, ended up being over, I don't know where it was, some field somewhere. And I got filled with the Holy Ghost, but I didn't even want to get filled with the Holy Ghost. That's a true story. I just sat up close. I was about from here to the sound room, the booth, from the pulpit on a blanket in a field. And the guy gave the altar call for people to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And I'm standing up. And there was so many people that I'm now in the altar. That's how many people got filled with the Holy Ghost. And I'm looking around and there's all these people crying. And I'm not crying. I didn't have any emotions. I was dead. And I thought, well, I might as well get filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm here. I never took one step forward. Got filled with the Holy Ghost, started speaking in tongues. Whew. So you can have all these experiences, but they won't raise you up until you get in the Word. See, you've got a whole, you've got a, the Holy, the person of the Holy Spirit within you. And He'll lead you as a Spirit of truth where you've never been before. And so he was leading me. And you just go with him. I didn't ask to preach. And they sent, after the pastor died, they sent in a Methodist guy right out of seminary. And he was different. He wore a robe. Nobody in our church wore a robe. Everybody's looking at that. And then he made the, he made the God awful mistake of moving the piano without asking. His career was done. Truth. Oh, and he read from the NIV. King James was good enough for Paul. It's good enough for me. <laughs> so he came in and he said, uh, well, there is no youth group, but in the Methodist church, this is Youth Sunday, so you're it. Well, oh, I forgot about the woman with the white robe. You got to watch me. I'm just going too fast for myself. So my mom drugged me to this meeting with this woman with a white robe. I just got filled with the Holy Ghost. I've probably spoken in tongues four or five days. She calls me out, has me stand in the, in the altar. Says, young man. And then she named how many days it was. I don't remember. She gave some number like 14 or 18 or something. In those many numbers of days, you're going to preach your first sermon. And I thought, I knew my mom was nuts. Now I know it. This woman's nuts. Until on that exact day, I was standing in the pulpit preaching. The person of the Holy Ghost. See, you can have all these experiences, but they won't build you up. I've had a lot of those experiences. What you've got to get behind the experience and get into the Word, see, and commune with the person. See, this is what Jesus did. Acts 1.8 says, but you'll receive power after the Holy Ghost has come on you. Now, this is one place where I, I think the King James beats out all the other translations. First, because of the translation, but second, because of context. You don't receive power when you get filled with the Holy Ghost. You receive power after you get filled with the Holy Ghost. And after in the Greek means process and progression. 
And if you look at Jesus, He got filled with the Holy Ghost when He was baptized at the River Jordan. But then He went into the wilderness and 40 days later, He came out with power. Because He had 40 days with a person. And 40 days with a powerful person will impart power into your life too. Let me say it another way. You're only 40 days away from the power of God. And in the back of your mind, you'll say, oh, I better straighten up and get rid of this habit. And I better read my Bible more. And I better go to church more. And oh, i got to finish that series of tapes that I told the Lord I'd listen to. No. No. It comes by the hearing of faith. And Jesus communed with a person and came out with power. A person and power. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power. Amen. Now, I'm all for walking in the power of God. But I want to encourage you. Get acquainted with your new best friend. The paraclete. Who has come to dwell in you and abide with you. And He'll lead you into as many experiences as you can handle. In that church where the pastor fell over dead, back then we never locked the church. That'll also date you. Society has changed. And uh, I would always drive by that church is in Diamond, Pennsylvania. When I came home from work, uh, I'd drive by the church to get home. And so sometimes... I'd be late at night working. I worked for my father and my mother. I was ran the dark room. So I'd be printing black and white pictures and and I'd listen to tapes and uh in the dark and I'd get so excited in the dark, you know, listening to all these tapes. I got paid to listen to the word of God. I was learning and I was praying in the spirit, but I couldn't get enough time of prayer time. And so I'd be driving home and I, and that church would just call me. I don't know how to explain it. I, I just had to pray in that church. I wanted to pray at that altar. And, and their altar is a holy thing. I've always treated this pulpit as a holy thing. I don't take anything into that pulpit but God's Word. And I'd, I'd go in there and the lights would all be off and I liked that because I'd just been in a dark room for six or eight hours. You know, I drove my mom nuts. I'd go home and never turn the lights on. Just don't move anything. I told my wife, we'll never, God would never let any of our children be blind because they'd kill each other as they walk through the house because she moves the furniture all the time. Three times today. Anyhow. And uh, I'd go in there and get in the altar. And, you, and, and I want to remind you on this, right? I'm 17 at this time. I don't know anything. I ain't been to Bible school. But I have a paraclete. Jesus has come in your flesh. And I'd get in that altar and I'd just pray. And you know, I didn't know how to pray. So my praying in English would last about five sentences. Well, don't worry. You have a paraclete who will help you pray. Romans 8.26 says that's one of the main reasons He's come. Is that He'll help you. How many of you know He's our helper? Right? Well then, here's where you also suffer from spiritual dyslexia. 
because you think you're his helper. If I said, John, come up here and help me move this speaker. I don't stand here waiting for John to do it. If he's my helper, I'm the one taking the initiative. I'm the one bearing the load. Right? Otherwise, he's not my helper. The Holy Spirit isn't the one who takes the initiative. He's not the one who bears the load. He's your helper. You've got to take some first steps. Seeing this... This is where the hearing of faith will help you. The hearing of faith will help you. Many times we're waiting for the Holy Spirit and He's waiting for you because He's the helper. Amen. The helper doesn't give the direction of when to pick up the sofa. He picks it up because you're moving the sofa. Right? So, so, so you got to be the one that goes to the altar and gets on your knees because you're, you're listening to Him. He's leading you and guiding you. I didn't know what I was doing. I just wanted more time with God. And I'd get on my knees and I'd, I couldn't pray in t- English very much because I didn't have much to pray. I mean, Lord, bless mom, dad, bless my brothers, Rod and Terry, bless my dogs, you know, all six of them. And Lord, you know, I need more money and, and sorry, I, burned rubber and I need new tires and Lord give me money for you know and and you're going through this list of piddly stuff and I don't know what to pray so you pray in the spirit and you just pray in tongues somebody says well I don't think that's important yeah Lord I wouldn't be here without praying in tongues Glory to God, I'd have these religious people come and say, well, tongues is last on the list. It's the least. I remember one time I dealt with a fellow. Tongues is the least of the gifts. I said, so what you're telling me is you ain't even got the least. <laughs> wow. Let's just go for it. All right. Tongues is the least. At least I got the least. What do you got, buddy? Anyway, I haven't always been as refined and as sweet as I am now. My, my son Zach says, Dad, sometimes you're just rude in the pulpit. Thank God he didn't hear me 20 years ago. <laughs> I'm refined. So I'd pray in tongues. And I don't know how many times, but it became a habit. I, maybe a dozen times. I don't know. But I'd stop. I'd drive home. I'd stop. I'd go in and pray. It wasn't sometimes 15 minutes. Sometimes it was two hours. It, it wasn't like... Uh, 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 it wasn't the works of the law. I'm just enjoying Jesus. But I'll never forget, I was, I was on my knees praying in the dark. And you could see certain things because of the, the windows and such. Now, it wasn't pitch dark. But I was praying in the Holy Ghost and I looked up, just praying in tongues. And I looked up and we had this candelabra. And the Lord said to me, if there's not repentance in this church, I'll remove the candlestick out of its place. Now here's how it's so wacky. Is the rumors have already been flying, and I'm not lying about this, that the pastor had moved the piano. And now we're talking about moving a candlestick. And I'm confused. Repentance. Well, I had bought, boy, I scraped my pennies together, and I bought the most technologically advanced Bible I could find. It was called the Dakes Study Bible. Man, I mean, what you got now on your phone makes it pale by comparison, but when you got nothing, it was treasure. 
I had a date study Bible. So I, I just opened it up and started looking at candlesticks. And it took me to the book of Revelation. And I started reading the book of Revelation about candlesticks and, and about the churches and the Spirit of God speaking to the churches. And I'm reading in there that the Spirit of God was telling a church to repent. And I'm just reading this and praying in tongues. I like to do that. I read the Bible and pray in tongues at the same time. And this is all flooding up in me. And I'm seriously thinking there's something wrong with the candlestick. But I'm beginning to understand there's something spiritual here. Because I don't know. Because I'm stupid. I'm 17 years old, right? But I have a paraclete. I hope you get this. I'm not talking about me. I'm just the only one I can talk about. I'm talking about you too. You've got Jesus living on the inside of you through the person of the Holy Spirit. And he said, if there's not... So I started repenting. I said, Lord, forgive me. Forgive the church. I don't know what it is. Forgive us. Forgive us. Forgive us. Forgive us. I think I saw in Daniel how Daniel repented for sins that other people committed. Forgive us. Forgive us. And the Spirit of God spoke again. I didn't speak the Spirit of God spoke. Why? Because I honor Him as a person. If you go home and your wife doesn't talk to you, you got problems. Don't tell me, oh, God doesn't talk to me. Well, fi fix it. He said, draw nigh to me and I'll draw nigh to you. You're the initiator. You're as close to God as you want to be. You want to get closer? Get closer to him. He ain't going to run away. He ain't afraid of you. Right? So, so I'm praying this way. And the Spirit of God spoke and said, the pastor is in his office preparing for tomorrow's sermon. This was a Saturday night. Go to him, stand in front of his desk, and cast out the spirit of homosexuality. Number one, I didn't know there was a spirit of homosexuality. I didn't know it was a spirit. Some people are still stupid today. See, as long as you think it's your identity, He's got you. But until you wake up and realize, it's a devil. And it don't belong in me. I can set you free. Jesus can set you free. You can be free. Somebody said, well, that's just rude. You just must not love homosexuals. It's, I love them. That's why I say it. It's a spirit. It's a foul dog and you need to kick it. I didn't know. But he did. Number two, I didn't know the pastor was a homosexual. But he did. So I was scared. But what are you going to do? I got up. The parsonage was a hundred yards from the church. I knew where his office was. I'd never been in the house before. So I walk up. It's about 11 o'clock at night. I walk up. My knees are shaking. I am afraid. I never did this before. I'm 17 years old. Come on. How old are you? 16. Well, this message ought to minister to you. You better get busy. And, and I knocked on the door and his wife came to the door in her house coat. And she said, Dale, can I help you? I said, yeah. I said, is Pastor in? I said his name. I said, is Pastor in? And I'm terrified. She said, 
He's in his study preparing for tomorrow's sermon. I'll never forget that. She said what God said. When she said that, I don't know, I got bold. I thought, I'm not missing it. You know, isn't he learn this lesson? He's gracious. He knows what you need to get you from A to B. See, when you have that nudge of the Spirit, you say, well, I don't know if I should do it. I don't know. He'll help you. He's the guide. He's going to help you as long as you're willing to do it. Oh, yeah, he'll help you. So when she said that, I got bold. So I went in, went left down the hall and right into his office, knocked on the door. He said, come in. I walked right in and stood in front of him. I just walked in and did what the Lord said. I walked in front of his desk. He had his Bible out and some notes and pencil and paper. And he had a little lamp there. And there's a bookcase behind him. And he said, he looked up at me. He said, can I help you? I said, no, I'm here to help you. Come out of him in Jesus' name! And you'd have thought I shot him in the head with a gun. He, he just thud. And then he starts heaving. And he starts weeping. I don't know what to do. I just, I killed him, you know. I, <laughs> I, I walked around. I walked around and came beside him. And I laid my hands on his head. And he burst out speaking in tongues. And he cried and he cried and he cried until that Bible was just sopping wet with his tears. And he got set free. And I thought, well, I don't know what that is. It's obeying the Holy Ghost. Obey the Spirit. You say, well, where did you learn that? I didn't learn it. I don't figure I know it yet. Because the next time it's different. You know? Whoa, how come his head went down? I don't don't know. The Spirit of God came on him, I guess. The evil spirit went out the window. Or maybe he just jumped into the trash can. I, I I don't know. And I think you're wasting time trying to figure it out. It's better just to, to spend time with the Holy Spirit, the person. Let Him lead you and guide you. Let the experience, leave the experiences over to Him. I really feel this needs to be emphasized. Because before this cycle of deception and fads that come into the church, seeking experiences, you don't need that. You get into the Word of God and have your own experiences. Amen. And then when you have them, you can trust them because they illuminate the Scriptures and they don't change the doctrine. The Word comes first. Any experience I have has to stand up to the, to the litmus test of God's Word. 1 John 5 says the Spirit and the Word agree. And when they don't agree, I don't agree either. I'm going with the Word. Amen? The spirit. See, some people they get uptight about experiences. Not if you're rooted in the Word, you don't have to be afraid of experiences. I remember I was uh, preaching in the Philippines. It's the first missions trip I was on, and when we went into the to this uh, island of Palawan, we got in there, and I got ministering. One night I, I preached for a couple of hours by torchlight to several hundred villagers. And uh, I, then I prayed for the sick, and there was quite a few of them, but we didn't have any batteries. We didn't have any. It was by torchlight. It was interesting. And uh, as I was praying for them, 
many of them, I noticed it, were coughing. And I had a white t-shirt on, and I went, then I went, they had a place for me to sleep, and, and this little bamboo mat, until you've slept on a bamboo mat, you don't know how much that fella's pillows in Texas are really sweet. <laughs> and uh, I slept on this bamboo mat, and I wake up in the morning, and I wake up, and I look down, and my whole shirt is speckled and covered with blood from people with tuberculosis who coughed on me and I slept in their blood. Now, I'm not a doctor, but I'm not that stupid. So I took that shirt off and threw it in the fire and the missionary was pretty concerned. And it was about a day later I started coughing. And the devil comes and sits on your shoulder and you're going to die. And I, and I got fever and I got dysentery on top of that. I mean, I was a mess. I was up by faith. So we get back to civilization and it's a Sunday and that guy says, well, you're scheduled to preach in this Assembly of God church and I'm up by faith. Now he knew I was up by faith, you know, but I just, you know, I had the hard, one of the hardest nights of my life that Saturday night in, in Palawan. I couldn't sleep. I'm coughing. I've got fear all over me. And then when I finally did go to sleep, three cockroaches about that long danced on my chest. Have you ever woke up with cockroaches dancing on your chest? I mean, I went, the Spirit of God came on me and I went cockroach hunting in the middle of the night, killed them things deader than dead. It was not a good night. And then I got to get up and be pleasant and sweet and preach Jesus and and I get into that church and this idiot pastor comes up to me I'm sorry some people just ain't got it between the ears and he he comes up to me and he says is you're an American it's your first time here I need to explain to you that being slain in the spirit is an American phenomenon I don't know, the guy never met me before in my life and I'm like, okay. He said, well, we don't hold to any of that in our church. I'm like, okay. It's all right if you lay hands on the people, but I'm going to be watching. It's literally how, you know, and I'm thinking, I'm going to lay hands on him. <laughs> so I started preaching, and I preached Jesus by faith, and I'm holding on to the pulpit because if I let go, I'll probably fall off. I mean, I was believing God, I'm healed. And I preached Jesus. I don't know what I preached, I don't remember. But I am got to the point where, yeah, I'm going to lay hands on the sick because I don't preach without praying for the sick. And I, I'm, I'm getting ready to have an altar call and lay hands on the sick. And I'm thinking in the back of my mind what that guy said. And the Spirit of God rose up in me. So I never did it before my entire life. It's the first time I ever did it. I prayed in Mass for people as a group, without touching them. I, I didn't realize you could do it. I'd never done it before. But I thought the Lord was being gracious because I'm thinking if I prayed for four or five people, number one, I don't know if I could do it. Number two, I probably shouldn't be doing it. And uh, so I, the Lord told me what to do. So I said, if you're need, in need of healing, you stand up and come and fill the altar here. And we're, but I'm going to pray for you in Mass. I never left the, the platform. 
And I said, so we're going to pray. And when I say in Jesus' name, be healed, I said, you worship the Lord. And shout, I'm healed in Jesus' name. And I lifted my hands. And when I said, in Jesus' name, be healed. And I lifted my hands like this. They all went out under the power. <laughs> all of them. About 50 of them. Or maybe not 50, at least 40. Boom! And I was thinking, I looked at the pastor. I hope you was looking close enough at that American phenomenon. Well, see, he's fixated on, a, on, on, a, on an experience instead of going to his Bible and finding out that when the Holy Ghost shows up, sometimes people fall over. People have asked me, how, how come when you lay hands on people, sometimes they fall down? Because they can't stand up. It's pretty simple. Because the Holy Ghost comes on them. Now, one time, only one time, I'm going to be totally honest, I've prayed for a lot of babies in my life. You know, mom and dad bring them up, got them in their hands. Sometimes they need a miracle. And mama's crying and dad's believing God for a miracle for that baby. I prayed for a lot of babies. One time I saw a baby slain in the Spirit. I mean, it blew my mind. I, I mean, it's like, power of God came on that little kid and he just went. I'm thinking, hey, Glory to God. Amen. I didn't believe in being slain in the spirit. I'm off my subject. How much time do I have? Yeah, I know. He's my, he's my anointing indicator. Yes, sir. Sin instructs me to come up. That doesn't mean you have to stop. There's a time that I'm supposed to come up and then, I have, then I'm supposed to wait until... So if you ever think I'm putting pressure on the pastor... He's not. That's unfair of him. You're of us, of him. On him. For him. Just sit there with your shofar and wait. <laughs> so... He's going to go get it. I know he is. So, uh, <laughs> hey, I can drink Coca-Cola and eat, drink coffee while I'm ministering to the Mormons. Glory to God. Where was I? I didn't always believe in being slain in the Spirit. I didn't think it was real. And I'll tell you why. I had just had an operation on my knee from football. I played two seasons and the doctor said I should have had it operated on when I was in 11th grade. And I said, no, because then he said I couldn't play football. I said, is it going to be any worse? He says, no, it's already ruined. I said, so I can play for two years on this and then get the operation? He says, if you think you can. I said, I know I can. So I taped that sucker up and I don't know. I did it. Anyhow, so after I got through that, that second year of football, I had, what do you call that? arthroscopic surgery and they scraped the inside of my kneecap and when they finally got oh man it hurt and then they did that operation i never forget it the doctor when i come out i'm you know you go all the way out i, I he's he's standing there over me when i come out of anesthesia and and i'm like and he's looking over me dr spencer Hart, hartman hartman dr hartman he looks at me and he says can you stand up and I'm like, 
I said, I don't know. I'll try. I get out of bed. This is honest God truth. This is Titusville, Pennsylvania. Yeah. This, this ain't your normal hospital. <laughs> I just came out of anesthesia. And I'm, I'm, I stand up. And I'm standing up. And it hurt. And I said to him, should I be doing this? He says, I don't know. I just wanted to see if you could. <laughs> That's honest to God's truth. He's just lucky enough I couldn't chase him down the hall. <laughs> That's a true story. So then I got out of the hospital and went to a full gospel businessmen's meeting. Now, I'm, I'm what? I'm 18 now. And uh, I've been preaching a little bit. I know a little bit about the Holy Ghost. But obviously, I don't know a whole lot because being slain in the Spirit's a strange thing. And there was this evangelist that came in and he's laying hands on people and they were falling down under the power. Well, then he had a word of knowledge. Someone's here has a knee problem. Well, I had a knee problem. I just had an operation. So I went forward. And when I stood there, I was the only one. And, and he, and he, and I had, cause it was a small room and I had to snake around behind the table. So I'm behind this, this head table where they'd eaten and he's got a little lectern and, and so you can't see, but you know, from my waist down, cause I'm behind the head table. And he puts both feet on my feet. He's standing on the top of my feet and praying for me. And I mean, my knee hurt. You are not going to push this boy over. And he tried. Oh, I was mad. So I left that meeting. I didn't believe in it. And I saw it on this Kenneth Copeland thing, and I thought, hmm, he's probably false too. See how the devil works? And uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't have enough sense to study it out but I, but God's grace and I got somebody living on the inside of me you got somebody living on the inside of you Jesus is in my flesh in the person of the Holy Spirit so I went to this uh, Pittsburgh charismatic conference and uh, it was a huge event right on the tail end of the charismatic movement and uh I remember this speaker was an Episcopalian with snow white hair. His last name started with a Z. I forget now that he was a pretty popular charismatic speaker. Uh, an Episcopalian who speaks in tongues and walked in the power of God. Glory to God. Well, I was a Methodist that spoke in tongues, so that's okay with me, you know. So he had an altar call for whatever it was, and I went forward. And there's probably hundreds of people in this line. And I'm standing there, and I'm praying, and I, and I knew enough that I'm not here to pray for myself. I start praying for people around me. I'm praying for the people he's praying for. How many of you know that's a good thing to do? And I, I'm praying, and he's getting closer, and he's getting closer, and they're just, they're just you know, falling over, and I'm thinking, yeah. You know, praise the Lord. And, and I'm praying, I'm not going to fall down anyway, you know. So he gets close to me and I close my eyes and I'm praying. And I never did feel him pray for me until I heard his voice over here. And I thought, oh, well, that's it. So I opened my eyes and I'm laying on my back. <laughs> that scared the tar out of me. 
I didn't know how I got here. As far as I knew, I just closed my eyes waiting for him. And then I heard his voice. And I got so scared. I literally, like, this room is full of thousands of people. It's on Duquesne University. It's a big building. I got up and I had this panic. Because I was wrong. Because I didn't know what happened. Because what, what is this? And I literally ran out of the building. Now, I was staying down the street at, at a dorm. But I ran out of the building because I was scared. And I ran out. I thought, i, I got to pray. And I thought, I'll go across the street to the chapel where we had classes the day before. And I ran up and it was locked. And I thought, i, I got to pray. This is just... What's going on? So I, I, I thought, well, I'll, I'll go back in and maybe there's, you know. And I got close to the door of this big auditorium and there was a tree. And I thought, bless God, I'll just get on that tree. I got underneath that tree, got down on my knees and went out under the power. I come to about two to three hours later. How do I know it's two to three hours? Because 3,000 people had filed out that door. I never heard none of them. They'd all gone. It's in, it's in the morning. It's, it's, and I'm thinking, what was that? Boy, it felt good. <laughs> now I got to go find out what it was. Scripturally. See, here's the problem. If you don't run to the Bible, you'll start running to the experience. And if you keep running to the experience, before you know it, you'll be pushing people over. And you don't have no and pushing people over. If they ain't going to fall down, you ain't going to make them fall down. And making them fall down doesn't get them healed. You want to know why we have catchers? Because in old Robert's ministry, people started falling out under the power so people would come in and pretend and fall out under the power and then sue him because they broke their elbow. That's why we have catchers. We got catchers because people are liars and deceitful. You didn't know that. That's where catchers come from. I don't believe in catchers. If you fall down, good. Let God catch you. Amen. What's that? He's your comforter. (laughs) I like that. I had a man and a woman. They were, she just gotten pregnant. Well, she was pretty, she was great with child. Ray and, Ray McCray, and I forget her name. But she, she, she comes up because she'd had some difficulties with the doctor said there was some problems. So there they are, you know, standing there. They're the only ones we're praying for. And we're in a community center. There's no carpet. It is a tile floor. Not the most comforting thing to fall on. And we don't got ushers. And I laid hands on both of them like this. And they, and sometimes, I don't know why, they started falling forward. So I, I, I'm just polite. I just got out of the way. <laughs> she fell flat on her face and on her belly. And I thought, hope that was real. <laughs> Amen? The, the, the complication disappeared baby was born and last i remember that baby is now an adult running a tv camera in the assembly of god in erie pennsylvania that's good news amen jesus has lots of experiences for you 
but you build them by faith in His Word. And you start by fellowshipping with the person of the Spirit. And I'll close with this. Everybody said, Hallelujah. The reason your time in the Word is dry is you're not in the Word with Him. Read your Bible with Him. Talk to Him about the Word. I understand it. I've said it. My son said it. My wife said it. Well, I wonder what the commentaries say about this verse. Why don't you ask Him first? Holy Ghost, what about this? Well, go read this commentary, that commentary. That's where you'll find it. I I was minding my own business today and the Lord said, go read what you wrote about that. And told me which black journal notebook it was in. And I'm kind of reading it wondering wonder if it's really in here. And then when you find it, it's like, Haha, I did write about that. The Holy Spirit lives in you. Amen. And teaches us and leads us and guides us. And we build our faith on His indwelling by our confession. Then your confession became, becomes communion. Because greater is He that's in me is being said in the presence of the One who's in you. By His stripes I'm healed is being said in the presence of the One who wrote it. And He'll unfold it. And faith will rise up. I sure do love you all. Let's stand up on our feet. John's going to come and minister. Thank you, John. And the worship team too, I guess, yeah? Center up, not on the words, but on the One who indwells you. As you worship, at least for tonight, Focus on the indwelling person of the Spirit. Don't try to project yourself into some throne room in heaven when you're the temple. Where does worship go on? In the temple. Where's the temple? Amen? Let's magnify Him together. Praise the Lord. John? Give me a second. Spirit of the Lord as we started um, He loves you so much the love of the Holy Ghost someone and maybe more than one but I know it I know one you've you've been fighting a spirit of grief and I don't know what it's from 
either the death of a loved one or the loss of a relationship. But you've been struggling with a spirit of grief. I want to invite you to come down right now. The Lord wants to remove that grief and replace it with the Comforter. That's who He is. He's the Comforter. He loves us. Is there anyone else? Come on down. Don't be afraid. Words of knowledge are like the angel stirring the pool of water. Whoever gets in is healed. God wants to remove all grief and sorrow and replace it with joy. Crying may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Joy belongs to you. You've wept enough. Joy is your right. Joy is your privilege. I'm going to ask some praying women to come down and lay hands on these ladies. I'm going to ask some praying men to come down and lay hands on this brother. Come on, 16-year-old. Get your hand on him. I speak to the spirit of grief that's tried to find its roots in sorrow of heart and the brokenness of heart. We come against this spirit that would try to cover up something holy before the Lord. For what is a sacrifice acceptable unto the Lord but a broken and a contrite heart? That's why the devil attacks you so much. That's why the devil tries to come and remind you with memories and emotions to keep you from your true love. Your true love. Your husband the maker and master of your life, the Lord, the Father, the indwelling Spirit of God. You spirit of grief, we bind you, we break your power, we command you to leave these folks now in the name of Jesus. Now, Spirit of God, fill them fresh with your presence that the presence of God replaces all memory and all grief. It's going to be more than okay. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be good. Fill her afresh with the presence of God. In the name of Jesus, blot out from us once and for all, what we've not been able to let go, blot out from us all memories and all pain in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let the presence and power of God fill us fresh. In the name of Jesus, let the presence and the power of the Holy Ghost come on you. In the name of the Lord Jesus, Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Let the power in the presence of the Lord. All grief and sorrow, all pain, all that returns, we command it to go and not, not 
not come back in Jesus' name. I know we struggle sometimes because we think we're being unfaithful if we don't cry, if we don't feel the pain. We embrace the pain because your love was so strong, because the loss was so great. But the Lord said He would wipe every tear from our eye. It doesn't negate the reality of what happened, but it emphasized this new measure of life with Him, life with Jesus, life with the Lord. He's a good God, and He loves us, and joy is your right. Joy belongs to you. Say it with your own mouth. Joy is mine. Joy belongs to me. Joy belongs to me. I'm going to wake up with joy. Maybe for the first time in years. I'm going to wake up with joy. See, it's the hearing of faith that brings the experience. I'm going to wake up with joy. I'm going to wake up with joy. Some others are being healed right now. The power of God's moving right now. Some of you have been struggling with the snares of sin and habits. And what I ministered provoked you when I preached it to you. But the victory over that habit is in walking in the Spirit. Definitively taking a step and saying, I'm going to walk in the Spirit. I'm going to go God's way. I'm going to walk in the Spirit. Forget about holiness. Walk in the Spirit. Holiness will come. Holiness will come. Let Him work it out in you. I'm not saying be apathetic and live in sin because if you're walking with Him, that won't happen. That won't happen. Hallelujah. That won't happen. There's freedom in this room tonight. There's freedom in this room tonight. Lift your hands and praise Him for freedom in this room tonight. I'm going to walk in the Spirit. Say it out loud. I'm going to walk in the Spirit. I'm free. I'm free. I walk in the Spirit. The Holy Ghost leads me and guides me.
greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. tonight as we take this glory to our homes we thank you father we'll we'll not forget it we'll not put it aside but we'll dwell on it we'll meditate on it we'll walk in it and it'll grow and it'll become stronger and stronger and more full and more more flourishing in our lives in the name of Jesus amen amen isn't God good Ooh, thank you, John. <laughs> Amen. I hope, I know I didn't embarrass him because you saw how he interrupted me. And there's very few people I allow to interrupt me. I'm and, sorry. And, what? No, you did, you did the right thing. I mean, there's, well, there's my boss, and that's God or my wife, depending on the circumstance. <laughs> and, uh, and John. <laughs> Amen. Isn't God good? Well, one way we love God is by loving one another. So we'll dismiss. we got fellowship downstairs. The Lord bless you. Bring you back again. Amen. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Church of the Word International here in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. So glad that you're all here tonight. Thank you so much for coming. I'd like to encourage you in our worship time tonight in Psalms 100. Everybody knows Psalms 100? It's such a great psalm. Make a joyful shout unto the Lord. All ye lands, yes, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. 
Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pastor. Isn't that good to know that? You belong to the Lord. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise and be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good and his mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth forever. Well, let's all stand together as a body of Christ tonight, the family of God, and let's just worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. Amen. Father, but through you. Jesus, we honor you. We celebrate you. We thank you for your presence here with us tonight. We give you all the glory and all the praise. Your word is so filled with worship. It says, oh, let us come sing to the Lord. Shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him in his presence with singing. He is such a great, great God and a great King above all the gods. Oh, come, let us worship the Lord together. Let us kneel before him, for he is our God and we are his people. Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. Today is a day that we are celebrating families here tonight and the work of God and the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. Open up your heart tonight. This is an opportunity for every one of us to enter in, in spirit and in truth, to hear a word that will change our life forever. Let's keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, Let's give him the honor that is due his name. Amen. Well, one way we celebrate and love God is by loving one another. Turn to your neighbor and give him a great big hug and tell him you're glad they're here tonight. Praise the Lord. We're so glad that you're all here tonight. You know, I don't think after last year, any one of us, takes for granted to come together anymore, does it? Do we? It's such a privilege and such an honor to be in the house of the Lord together as family. We were just talking about the importance of the corporate anointing. And tonight, there is a corporate anointing because you're here. Amen? Praise God. I'd like to encourage you in your tithes and your offerings tonight. If you need an envelope, would you please raise your hand? And the ushers will be happy to accommodate you with that. Um, you can make your checks out to CWI. If you uh, are using a credit card, please be careful to put all the numbers eligible so they can be read. Amen. Jesus talked about money a lot in the Bible. How many of you know that? 
He did. And the, our Heavenly Father is the greatest giver of all. Did you know that? We know in John 3.16 that God so loved the world that he what? Gave. He gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe on him would not perish but have everlasting life. We know in James 1.17 it says, Every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights, where there's no shadow of turning. That means he's not changing his mind on blessing you with beautiful, good, and perfect gifts. Isn't that beautiful? So we know uh, in the Bible that we are created by the Father. We're fearfully and wonderfully made by him. And if you're born again here tonight, you have his spirit living and dwelling within you. Now, we live in the world, but we're not of this kingdom. We've been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And God is our heavenly father. And he has given us his nature. His nature is the fruit of the spirit. And it's, been, it's deposited in you. You don't have to look somewhere. It's already in you. We just have to what? Work out our own salvation, working it out. So we live in this kingdom on the earth, God's kingdom, and he's got some parameters or laws that he wants us to abide by. And Luke 6, 38 through 40 is one of them. Give and it shall be given. Pressed down, good measured, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom. Right? It's the motive of transactions here on the earth. God knew that. Galatians 6, verses 7 through 9. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, he shall surely reap. Well, if you're sowing good seed... Come on now. God said you're going to receive what? Good harvest. So that's a promise of the Lord in his kingdom here on the earth. That's something that we should uh, really understand. Keep sowing. The Bible says casting your bread upon many waters time and time again. In verse 9 of, of Galatians, it says, If we faint not in due season well-doing, we, we shall in due season reap. So in other words, don't let your faith stop in mid-ground. Faith plus patience equals the promise. See, when you give in faith tonight, you can't dictate to God when the harvest comes or how the harvest comes. God, who knows your end from your beginning, will give you exactly what you need when you need it. All we have to do is abide by his law, which is give. Amen? But we have the promise, given it shall be given, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Isaiah 119 says, if you be willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. Well, there's a difference between just being obedient and not willing. I think Pastor Dale said it best about the little boy in the back seat. He's standing up. Dad's driving. He wants to see everything that's outside those windows. And the father looks in the rearview mirror and says, son, sit down. 
And he's thinking, for safety's sake, you need to sit down. And that little boy saying, no, I don't want to. I want to stand up. Finally, the father said it again, son, sit down. And he did, but he was standing up on the inside. He wasn't willing. God wants us to be willing and cheerful givers. Why? Every good gift comes from him. Now, he gives it to you. He wants you to be a good steward of that. And he's watching over how you are dealing with your finances. That's what we're talking about tonight. But he wants you to be willing and obedient. Be of a cheerful heart to give back to him. Amen? Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for this precious, priceless, wonderful time together. And Father, we're not only just believing for a harvest in our finances, we're believing for a harvest of the spirit realm tonight, of gifts and miracles and signs and wonders. Our faith is out for all of you tonight, Lord. So have your way in our hearts. We're not going to harden our heart, but we're going to trust you and believe you for a word that will change our life forever. Father, look at our hearts. They're supple. They're open to receive all that you have for us. We thank you. You're a good father, a faithful father. We thank you and give you all the praise and all the glory. Amen. Ushers, if you will please pass the baskets. We also have mission offering tonight. So right after announcements, we're going to be passing the baskets again for that. And I don't think we really have to talk a lot about that. This is a mission church. We know the importance of giving to the world. And this is a a pretty um, wonderful thing about our church is we're mission-minded. Amen? So I'd like to tell you some of the announcements. Um, Tomorrow night, the youth and the young adults are going to get together right here downstairs. And Alicia, what time is that? Six o'clock. So if you are a youth or young adult, please come. It's going to be awesome. And bring somebody. I'm sure there's somebody that would, your age group, that would like to come. You know, most people have come to church because somebody personally invited them. Do you know that? It's true. So let's be good mission-minded people and start inviting people, amen, even the youth. Home groups are going to start this coming week. So where you've been plugged in, just keep on coming. We do have a new series, and it's from Keith Moore. Uh, If you don't know how to find that, just get on KeithMoore.com and uh, bring up Victory Victory After Death is the series. And I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised at this series and the teaching in it. If you have any questions, ask Debbie. Where's Debbie? There she is. She can uh, give you fill in the the blanks. (laughs) This summer, we're going to have our annual VBS at CWI. We're going to have it in July. And that's going to be July 26 through 29. Please mark your calendars on that. And Kelly Burroughs, lift your hand. If you have kids, you want to be a part of the VBS in volunteering, uh, please see Kelly. There's sign-up sheets for that. It's going to be awesome. You know, train up a child in the way they should go. Children are super important to the Lord. Amen. 
They're so impressionable. It's a time to get Jesus in their heart and in their mindset. CityGate is coming up. It's the first Sunday of every month. The sign-up sheet for Columbia is in the back. Please, if you've, if you've never been to CityGate, this is our local missions. Last month, five people gave their life to the Lord. Five people, Jess, Justin, Ali, um, Ashley, Angela, and DeSantis. All five of them said the prayer of salvation, asked Jesus to forgive them of their, of their sins. It was a glorious salvation for all of them. The power of God was so real and so powerful. See, this is our local ministry. And I look at these flags, and I think this is so fabulous but if you're dreaming about going to one of those and you haven't been to a local ministry, a city gate, I'm going to encourage you, get involved. Sign your name up on that list and come and be a part of the local mission field. Amen? I really want to encourage you, if you've never done it before, step out and put your name on that list. And I'll be calling you. <laughs> Amen? Um, Ushers, are you ready to take up the mission, receive the mission offering? Ushers, I'm looking. Yes? Okay. Can you pass those baskets, please? And this is our missions offering. We're just so grateful for your willing and obedient heart to give into the kingdom of God and thankful for all the work that's being done through you and Church of the Word. Amen.